Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Alfonso Mendoza. He is an instructional technologist and Google iterator from South Texas. He has 15 years of experience in education and a master's in educational technology, along with a graduate certificate in e-learning and a graduate certificate in technology leadership in education. He's a servant leader and is always looking for ways to help his learning community use the power of technology. Welcome to the podcast, Alfonso. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on the receiving end of questions, as often, you know, I get to ask questions to a lot of the guests, but I really appreciate uh, this invitation, and I'm excited to share. I'm excited to have you on, and we'll talk about your podcast, My EdTech Life, in a little bit. But first of all, I'll ask the question. I start off with everybody. Tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Oh, yeah, the trenches. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, back in 2019, I had just graduated. Well, I had just received my master's in educational technology. Now, mind you, I come from a very different background as far as education. And I did not take the traditional route as mm -hmm. my point of view, you know, growing up in high school and getting ready to go to college was I never, ever want to be an educator. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I, I went to college, went into business school. I said, you know, this is where the money's at. I'm going to be, I want to be rich. I don't want to be an educator. Uh, however, you know, fork in the road moment, I graduated with my bachelor's degree in uh, marketing. And then what happened is I worked in business for about two years, two and a half years. Um, then fork in the road moment, uh, my dad, you know, came, uh, became ill. And being an only child, you know, my family depended on me to make sure, you know, hey, you know, we need help getting, you know, dad to uh, appointments and so on. So I didn't have the luxury of having a lot of time with the current job that I had. So I had to really think about things and say, okay, what are my options? And then at the time, a friend of mine said, hey, they're needing math teachers for a, a local district here close to where you work. And I said, well, <clears throat> let's go ahead and do that. Let's, let's try it. So I called. I called that day. I interviewed the following day. And 10 minutes later, they called me up and said, hey, you know, come into HR and sign your paperwork. And wow. so I was like, all right. So I came into education, um, you know, 11 years in the classroom. However, my trench story really is uh, 2019, you know, getting my master's in educational technology because technology, I, I just absolutely love it. And coming into this new role as an instructional tech or instructional coach, uh, really, uh, take, uh, of course, everything locked down. And I felt like a fish in water. I mm -hmm. was like, yes, you know, this is my moment to shine because, I mean, I knew all the platforms. I was, you know, great at doing the trainings with teachers. And, I mean, talk about getting into the trenches that March 13th, when they said, you know what, we're not coming back. Um, then everything just moved online and I was doing about six sessions a day, Monday through Friday of online onboarding during my spring break. So mind you, all teachers, we didn't have a spring break. 
during that time, I was working, you know, 18 hours a day, pretty much just until the evening. And uh, we had Google Classroom set up for teachers where they can find resources. I was creating videos, how to's, guides, all of that. So it turned out to be one of those moments where in the heat of it all, it was just like the adrenaline was pumping. I was like, this is it. This is awesome. This is my moment. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, you just you burn out. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so talk about being in the trenches, you know, doing six, six sessions a day, five days a week, um, you know, with about 30 plus teachers, because not everybody could do it in the morning. So I would do morning and afternoon sessions. And then, of course, all the emails that would come in, the onesies and twosies, phone calls that would come in. And luckily, you know, everything was set up, squared away. Uh, we, you know, as much as we could, you know, yeah. being mm -hmm. that we were all virtual. So, I mean, yeah, that, that was my moment in the trenches uh, per se. And it was a memorable moment that mm -hmm. I'll be honest, it pretty much took a whole year to really recover from that in the sense that, you know, we finished, uh, you know, virtual learning, we slowly started coming back. And the first year we came back to brick and mortar, I, I was exhausted. I, I yeah. really didn't feel like myself. I was very just uh, isolated, very kind of checked out. And it took me about a year to just kind of recover from that, aside from still trying to do my normal duties, you know, so imagine you're trying to recover from burnout, but at the same time, you're still working and finding that work-life balance. But man, this year, like, I just feel so refreshed. I feel so great. And it just the little 1% things of just kind of reframing your mindset and changing things up physically, exercising, eating well, all those things, like, I just feel like renewed and refreshed. And it's been it's been great. But yeah, that, that was an interesting moment in the trenches for sure. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of teachers, you know, had that year last year where they kind of recovered from everything that had gone on the past two school years. And uh, I think people are feeling better, but just definitely being in that role of having to train people, um, you know, get them set up, uh, get computers to the students and all that, like just that monumental task. Uh, you mentioned that you were the only um, ed tech person um, in the, in 14 schools, instructional mm -hmm. technology for 14 schools. So Yes. <laughs> so imagine that responsibility. I mean, 14 schools, there's only one of me and really the only one that is really, I mean, Google certified, Google innovator, Google everything. And so having to do these lessons now. In hindsight, sometimes I, I remember when I first got into this role and started doing uh, some of the trainings, nobody wanted to show up in person. So I kind of started doing uh, a PD in your PJs where I would do these trainings virtually and then I would have really good attendance. So it was kind of interesting that a little bit of all of that led up to what we were doing. So the teachers that would come to do the PD in your PJs virtually um, were teachers that really just took off with the tech and just felt very comfortable because they had a little bit of that experience. Uh, but it was very interesting that when teachers were kind of forced to kind of dive in and, you know, do this. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of them were very uncomfortable. But at the same time, uh, I was just trying to reassure them and let them know that there's absolutely nothing that they can break. 
nothing that the undo option on their computer cannot fix. And just to get clicky with it as and kind of lighten it up a little bit. And that really helped out a lot where even some of the teacher, veteran teachers, I was uh, having a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and I was letting them know that even some of the teachers that are the veteran teachers that w were very, are very low tech or no tech at all, some of them have just blossomed and are thriving with the tech now that a lot of them were saying, you know, Mr. Mendoza, I was planning on retiring, you know, after all of this, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, virtual. However, what I've learned as far as the tech is concerned has actually helped me become more efficient. And they're like, I feel like I can, I can teach maybe another, you know, three to five years because I, that longevity because of the tech and, and sure. getting comfortable with it. And so those are some of the stories that I look at that I'm like, you know, everything's good. Everything is okay. Um, and those stories really just help me just understand that, you know, it's worth the effort and some people are going to be just fine and great. And uh, it makes me really happy to hear those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, some teachers will st still use what they learned and mm -hmm. still kind of do that flipped classroom or, um, you know, integrate more tech into their teaching. There are some that have kind of gone back to the old ways. Right. But yes, um, I agree. Like, as you said, for those people who were kind of, kind of tired of the same old, same old and ready to retire. It's great. They got a renewed interest in teaching a different way. So <laughs> there is that, that light, right? Cause we're, we're, we're hearing about people who did retire early, but there, there is the opposite that occurred as well. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, blog and podcast, uh, my ed tech life. Uh, so you started the podcast first and then you turned it into a blog as well. And you blog for medium uh, so tell me, first of all, about the podcast, um, kind of when you got started, uh, what themes and, you know, do you do this solo or with guests? Absolutely. So uh, the My EdTech Life podcast uh, started on April 10th of 2020 or 2020. That's when I recorded my uh, very, very first episode. And so on that date, uh, what I had in mind was the following, you know, everything was uh, shut down, pandemic was happening, mm -hmm. and I am a part of a group of Google innovators and Google educators around the world. And at that time, it's the group is called uh, Global GEG, which is Google uh, Educators Group. And this was a global group. And you're talking about people from the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and areas all around the world, even into Mexico, uh, Latin America. And mm -hmm. what was happening is we just kind of combined our forces, created a website. We were putting up resources for teachers all around the world in all different languages. And so we started doing you know, uh, so web sessions. So we were doing virtual trainings. Like this was completely unpaid. This was just out of the love that we have for tech and out of the love that we have for education. And we wanted to help educators around the world. So we just started doing these training sessions. So I said, you know what? I want to do that kind of like on my own here regionally for my area in deep South Texas. So that is what my intention was, um, you know, at first episode one, episode two, bringing in kind of experts in their fields and then they're sharing some tech and what they can do. But 
for myself, it just kind of organically started changing into more of a platform to ask educators how they're feeling. What's, what's your story? How are you feeling right now and going through this? So it, it organically changed and I think it evolved into what it was meant to be because for myself, I have always been intrigued and fascinated by stories, people's stories, where they come from, their origin stories. So if you listen to the podcast right away, the very first thing that I ask is, I want to hear your origin story because I liken every educator to a superhero and every superhero has an origin story that might not be obviously like you heard from me, the, uh, it might not be the conventional education route. And for a lot of educators, it hasn't been the conventional education route. And for some of them, it has, and some of them have fork in the road moments. And I feel that a lot of those moments really develop, help develop them into who they turn out to be and with the passion that they have. So essentially that's what it turned into. It turned into a podcast now where I, you know, host um, educators, uh, content creators that are coming in and educators that are content creators. And just to amplify their voices, their stories, hear about their successes, hear about their struggles, uh, hear about things that can inspire others, you know, and so that's really what the, the podcast is now. And of course, I kind of started blogging on my own too. Uh, developing my writing skills. Currently, I'm working on my doctorate and I, with my doctoral studies, I've never been a fan of writing, but now all of a sudden it's like, mm-hmm. I because I have to write, but I've actually, I'm like, wow, I, I can't believe I haven't done this sooner. So now I start writing a little bit more and I do have a blog on Medium that y'all can mm-hmm. check out and you can get that there through the, the podcast website too as well. And we just completed our 150th episode this past Saturday. And so again, from April 10th, 2020 till now, you know, it's been quite a journey. It's been amazing stories to hear, connecting with amazing educators, amazing authors, amazing creators. And we're just going to continue going and, and, uh, you know, putting out that platform for people to come and inspire others and connect with others. So just really excited about that project and how that's been going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting how it kind of started with that GEG group and how you then decided to uh, give more resources to people in your region. Was it something you just, when you started like the first couple episodes, you kind of just shared with people, um, where you live uh, or within your district and then kind of expanded that to your whole um, PLN or how did that work? No, actually, you know, I just put it out there for everybody again. And and the intent was, is like, I started having uh, guests on here from my region, you know, and just mm-hmm. people that are known within our circle uh, of educators when we meet at conferences here, local conferences and so on. So I, you know, had some on, you know, coming in, talking about tech and how they're integrating it uh, actually. And my very first guest was, is uh, one of my professors from my master's program. He was my very first guest that I had on and talking about virtual um, instruction and, you know, where it is that we need to go, where it is and him, you know, being uh, working with virtual uh, instruction for years as a college professor, you know, he was just kind of sharing some tips and just how to prepare, you know, for, 
what was coming and how we talking about how we just didn't prepare with enough time or start thinking about these modalities. And one of the best advice that he gave is like, and he still gives, he goes, even though we have all those devices, you know, it just seems like a lot of people hit that off switch and put the tech aside, you know, kind of because they just relate the tech to, oh, this is only for pandemic purposes. So we're back and we don't need to use it anymore. So he's always just been like, hey, you never know when the next thing's going to come up and we just need to turn that switch on again. So we need to make sure we use those tools. So it kind of just started that way here regionally. But then I started having reaching out to people, you know, nationwide, because again, like wanting to hear stories, because I, I know what was happening here, but I also wanted my audience here to know what was going on nationwide in the sense of, I, I, don't want you to feel like you're alone in this. So I'm going to, you know, ask other teachers or instructors or anybody that is out there from other parts of the world to come and share their stories to know that we're all in this together and we're all in this same position. And it may be very different depending on where you're at, but we're all struggling. We're all, you know, going through these tough times. And so they don't feel like, oh man, is this only me? Am I the only one? So it, it kind of just turned into that, you know, organically, like I said, and after that, now it's just building up my, what I call, uh, you, you call it a PLN, uh, but I call it the PLF, which is my personal learning family, which is pretty much everybody that I connect with on Twitter. I always mm-hmm. call, you know, let them know, hey, you're part of my, you know, professional learning family now. So just being able to connect and make those connections with people worldwide and educators really helps out a lot too. Uh, be able to share their resources, share their experiences with a lot of my friends here locally and to be able to see like, hey, you know, there there are different ways of doing things or, hey, you know what, we're, we're doing the same thing that they're doing and, you know, they're having success and, you know, and just connecting education and educators worldwide and nationwide. That's been what it's turning out into also as well. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So let's talk a little bit about some of the work. Uh, You talked about the uh, GEG Global Educators Group, but you're also a Google innovator. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, in your current role, uh, what is something you do kind of for the district um, in terms of teacher training that you did before COVID and you're still doing? Oh, well, one of the things before COVID that also helped out, which was really great, was starting the the Google Educator Level 1 certification training modules. And those were completely online, not in person. Um, I mean, I there was a way to do it in person, but of course what happens is with everybody's schedules, you know, elementary schedules are different from middle school and high school schedules. So I said, you know what, the easiest way to do this where everybody can get access to this at any time and on their own time would be just to create these learning modules uh, for the teachers uh, through Google Classroom. And what would that would accomplish would be that many of the teachers that may not be familiar with Google or you know Google apps um, would be able to use those Google apps and get that training. Um, this was very early in in my transition into this role. 
uh, just because we were slowly pushing out Google a little bit more and more and more. And that's really the, the main platform that we use for work and collaboration. Uh, we're also a Microsoft district, but that's really mainly just for the basic, which is just the emails. And really, that's it, you know, but Google is for everything else. So what I started doing is, and actually one of my master's projects was, you know, you need to solve a real world problem that you have in your, uh, in your district. And mm -hmm. so I said, you know what, well, this is, this is a problem or a solution to a problem, which would be, you know, giving or showing our teachers what we have available. So although Google, obviously they offer their own training modules that they had. And now at the time, um, those training modules were very different than what they are now. So what I went ahead and did is I just kind of put my own spin onto those modules just to make it uh, relatable to what we're doing. Because I mean, those modules, they're, they're very broad and, you know, they give you that practice. But what I started doing is I put, I put our spin on it at, to fit our district. So all the scenarios and everything that you're going to be using with uh, the platforms and, uh, you know, what you're trying to do fits our district. So I put names of our, some of our employees in there, you know, and just kind of make it our own. And then of course the scenarios we're dealing with schools within our district and so on and so forth. And so a lot of teachers just really took to it. And within the first couple of modules or cohorts, that we had, we had a tremendous success rate. It was about a 92% success rate. And of course, the what it entailed was the teachers would complete their 11 modules, they would complete a post test. And upon completing that post test, they would get a and passing that post test because you had to pass with an 80 or better, uh, then they would receive a voucher from the district so they can go ahead and take the exam. And a lot of them were, you know, sending me their certificates and, and it was great. And the fact that they felt more comfortable with the platforms really helped out a lot. And, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, you know, some of the, the teachers, the veteran teachers that were, um, you know, a little bit reluctant to use tech were some of the ones that were just the most excited about, you know, doing these modules and feeling like, wow, this is, this isn't that bad. This is pretty easy mm -hmm. and how they can go ahead and apply it. So uh, leading up to that, I was still working on my innovator project as far mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. applying for Google innovator. And I did get rejected my very first time that I applied for Google innovator uh, because I didn't, I was kind of going at it alone and I didn't know what to do, what to expect. Uh, but then the next year came about and they opened up the applications. And so a friend of mine, Micah Shippey, reached out to me and said, hey, when they open up the applications, contact me and we'll have a meeting. And I was like, okay. So applications opened. I contacted him and he's like, hey, this is what I want you to do. And the best advice he gave was really connect with other Google innovators. That's really all he said. He goes, the best thing that you can do is go on Twitter, type in hashtag Google EI, and anybody that shows up with that, with Google EI on their profile, he said, I don't care if you know them or not, just click follow. Follow every single one of them. And as you're working on your project, he kind of gave me some direction. And of course, my project ended up changing at the end. Um, gave me some direction. He said, uh, set, reach out to them and set up a meeting. Say, hey, can I take 20 minutes of your time 
to, you know, pitch my project and maybe give me some suggestions mm -hmm. as to what I can do. And I went ahead and did that, had a couple of meetings with some wonderful innovators, educators, and of course, very active on social media now, connecting with the groups and so on. And then all of a sudden, I get some great news, you know, coming to, what is it, 2021, uh, I think it was in August, received some great news, or was it June still, June, July, or July, in mm -hmm. July, and then I got accepted to the first Google Innovator Academy that was virtual, which okay. is the, the Virtual Innovator Academy of 2021, and got to connect with some amazing educators around the world and, um, you know, work on our Google Innovator projects. And it was just an amazing experience that I definitely recommend uh, for anybody who is interested in uh, becoming a Google Innovator. Uh, really, all you need is just your level one certification. And when that application opens up, apply connect with innovators like myself, and we will definitely help you, you know, work on your project and because they only select a few. And I think it, it was only at that time, it was only 87 of us worldwide. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the, the uh, academies have grown a little bit more this year because there's different, of course, um, areas as far as uh, Latin America, then of course, there's the Europe, there's a uh, of course, United States. So the Innovator Academies might have grown a little bit more now that it's virtual, but it is a wonderful experience that will for sure be, you know, something that has played a big role in where I am today. And of course, because of the power of connections as well. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to hear kind of how that started with uh, just kind of putting your own spin on the uh, Google level one certification. That's mm -hmm. something I did. Uh, a few years prior to that, back in 2016, and that was that old version, like you said, and I just did their their standard <laughs> certification. It didn't have any spin, but uh, yeah, definitely something, uh, you know, teachers can gain a lot from. I know there's the, um, so there's a Google level one, Google level two innovator in where they're not a few Yeah, other. there's the, there's the trainer and then there's the coach also okay. as well. So the, the newest one they added was the coaching one, because okay. normally it was level one, level two trainer, and then innovator. And now they added that coaching component, because as you know, and I think we kind of mentioned pre-chat, um, you know, the, the tech coach or the instructional coach is something that a lot more districts now are implementing after, you know, virtual instruction and just to be able to help and build capacity with uh, teachers and help them out, you know, and planning lessons and so on. So now they've added that coaching component into the Google certifications. Mm -hmm. So there are probably people listening who are in a role that, um, you know, maybe they're working on a master's program and they'd like to maybe start applying for a tech coach roles because more and more districts are hiring um, several uh, tech coaches because they know there is a need. So what is some advice you can give for people who are looking into those roles? Yes, best advice. And, and I'm only speaking from my experience. It may be different now because this was about five years ago when I transitioned into this role. But what helped me was putting our work on social media. And um, I mean, just be cautious. Too. I'm a big you know, proponent of you know, child safety and so on. So I know that there's a lot of teachers that put their students on social media and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but putting in their work and what I would do is I would always videotape and I would always or, you know, record on my phone. Yeah. They would record video and I would just put those pieces together. And it was just them and their little hands working and so on. 
And so putting a lot of that stuff on social media is good. What it is that you're doing, how it is that you're innovating using the resources that you have, because oftentimes you may be in school district that is not uh, maybe as well equipped as other school districts nearby. You know, we all know that uh, funding is different for a lot of areas, depending on the number of students that you have. But when you show what you can do with the resources that you have, uh, that really helps out a lot. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Uh, my number one advice would be, or piece of advice would be, do not uh, fall into the imposter syndrome. Um, don't let yourself, you know, get in your own head and say, well, they're better than I am. They do this better and so on. No, you know, you confidently put out your work, you do what you do and don't compare yourself to others because imposter syndrome can really hold you back. So yeah. that's one of the biggest things that I've learned there. And then obviously just be very proficient with your tech. Don't use tech for tech's sake and just try and squeeze it into every lesson. You know, find those specific points, those specific lessons where the tech will definitely enhance and maybe even redefine the learning rather than just, you know, substituting the tech and saying, well, instead of having a paper worksheet, now we just have a digital worksheet mm -hmm. and, you know, use tech there, which, you know, it does serve a purpose, but try and think outside the box. Don't be afraid to step out of your own comfort zone and try new things. Being vulnerable is part of being a teacher. It's okay to not know everything, but have fun and enjoy and, you know, just have a good personality. And I guess you can, you know, make sure you come in with some thick skin too as well, because <laughs> sometimes when you're working with teachers, it's, it, you know, and teacher veteran teachers, you know, they, they're, they're used to doing things a certain way. And sometimes we may want to come in with that excitement of, Hey, no, do it this way. And so on, you know, you learn real quick that the easiest way to do this is just to, you know, build the relationship. And then again, like I told you, just let them know. It's like, there's nothing that you can break, nothing that undo can't fix and just get clicky with it and have fun. So those, those are some uh, little tidbits of advice there that I could share for sure. Okay, great, great. Well, we've talked a lot about um, how you transitioned into your current role, how you got started in education in the first place, and also um, your trend story of being uh, that uh, tech coach in your district and navigating the shutdown and the transition to virtual learning. Out of everything we discussed on the podcast today, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? Uh, actually, what I would love listeners to remember is share your story. You know, I, I know right now I, I got to share my story and a lot of, you know, guests that come here to this show will share their story, but don't be afraid to share your story because you never know who is out there that is watching or listening. And they're waiting for you to say that one little thing that can change their lives and, you know, and for the better, you never know the influence that you will have. So the best thing that I can leave you with to always remember is don't be afraid to share your story. Yeah, it's definitely something to remember. Everybody has a story to share and like, don't let the imposter syndrome get in the way. Like yes, said. for sure. Don't let that get in the way. <laughs> Where can people connect with you and find you online? 
Yeah, actually, you can find me on all socials, and I'm talking about all socials at my edtech life, my edtech life, and you can connect with us there. You can also go to our website, my edtech dot life, my edtech dot life, and there you can go ahead and find all our 150 episodes of, and you can scroll through them. Wonderful educators from around the world, creators, where you can go ahead and get inspired, get some ideas. Uh, to sprinkle on to what you all are already doing great. So give us a visit, follow us. I'd love to connect with you all. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to shoot a DM. And if I don't have the answer to it, I can guarantee you that I can connect you with somebody that may be able to help. And again, I'm always here to serve. Great. It was a pleasure having you on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. Get it now at amzn.to slash 3b7-2z. Again, amzn.to slash 3b7-hx-2z. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at out of trenches PC. Mm-hmm.